Welcome to episode 291 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. If you want to burn fat, gain energy, and enhance your health by changing when you eat, not what you eat, with no calorie counting, then this show is for you. I'm Melanie Avalon, biohacker and author of What Win Wine. Lose weight and feel great with paleo-style meals, intermittent fasting, and wine. And I'm here with my co-host, Cynthia Thurlow, nurse practitioner and author of Intermittent Fasting Transformation, the 45-day program for women to lose stubborn weight, improve hormonal health, and slow aging. For more on us, check out ifpodcast.com, melanieavalon.com, and cynthiathurlow.com. Please remember, the thoughts and opinions on this show do not constitute medical advice or treatment, and no doctor-patient relationship is formed. So, pour yourself a mug of black coffee, a cup of tea, or even a glass of wine, if it's that time, and get ready for the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Hi, friends. I'm about to tell you how to get three pounds of organic chicken thighs, two pounds of grass-fed, grass-finished ground beef, or one pound of premium grass-fed, grass-finished steak tips, all for free, plus $20 off. That's right, we're talking pounds of meat for free plus $20 off. Friends, I love meat and seafood. My favorite way to get it is ButcherBox. It has been for years, and it's one of those things where I just sort of become more and more obsessed the more I use it. Especially with all the greenwashing that's going on today with meat and seafood, there's a lack of transparency, it can be hard to know what you're actually getting, and it can be expensive. ButcherBox addresses all of that. By directly partnering with farmers and fishermen, ButcherBox cuts out the middleman of the grocery store and directly delivers delicious meat and seafood straight to your door. And they have the highest standards. Their salmon, for example, is wild caught. Their beef is 100% grass fed and 100% grass finished. Their chicken is free range and organic, and it all tastes delicious. I love their chicken, love their meat, love their seafood. They have amazing scallops as well. And you can really find the collection of food that you want that works for you and your family. They have curated boxes, so you can get exactly what you want as fresh as possible because yes, meat and seafood that is immediately frozen is fresher than meat that is waiting out and never frozen. That's because it's frozen at its peak of freshness. It's funny because people kind of think it would be the opposite. Like, oh, I need never frozen meat and seafood. No, 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 no. You want frozen. You want meat and seafood that was immediately frozen and then shipped to you, which is what ButcherBox does. I eat a lot of steak at restaurants. ButcherBox's fillets are divine. Way better than anything I would get at a restaurant. Their other cuts are amazing as well. With their seafood, I know I can trust them that I'm actually getting what they say. Because yes, there is a lot of scams in the seafood industry. And their chicken also tastes amazing. It's free range and organic and tastes delicious. With ButcherBox, you don't have to worry about what's for dinner. And ButcherBox has an incredible offer for our audience. You can have your choice of a weeknight meal essential for free in every order for a whole year. Just go to butcherbox.com slash ifpodcast and use ifpodcast to choose either three pounds of organic chicken thighs, two pounds of grass-fed, grass-finished ground beef, or one pound of grass-fed, grass-finished premium steak tips plus $20 off. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash ifpodcast and use code ifpodcast to choose your free offer and get that $20 off. Butcherbox.com slash ifpodcast with code ifpodcast. And we'll put all this information in the show notes.
One more thing before we jump in. Did you know that common ingredients found in skincare and makeup products can actually disrupt your endocrine system? These endocrine disruptors are a silent threat that can have significant impact on your health, including something that is very important to me, fertility. Your skin is your body's largest organ and what you put on it matters. Endocrine disruptors are chemicals that interfere with the natural hormonal communication in the body. It also matters during pregnancy. And that's one of the reasons I pay close attention to what I put on my skin while being pregnant. Studies have shown that exposure to endocrine disruptors can affect both male and female fertility. For women, these disruptors can lead to irregular menstrual cycles, ovulation issues, and even polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS. In men, they can reduce sperm quality and quantity, making it even more challenging to conceive. But it's not just about fertility. When it comes to fat loss, one of the reasons that endocrine disruptors can get in the way of fat loss is because a lot of our toxins are actually stored in our fat. It's a way that our bodies protect us from those toxins. These toxic compounds can even work synergistically, amplifying their harmful effects and making it that much harder to shed unwanted body fat. All of these reasons are why I am obsessed with a company called Beauty Counter. The founder actually started the company when she learned about the potential dangers of toxic chemicals and their link to health issues, specifically miscarriages and infertility. While pregnant, I make sure to only use Beauty Counter products. It's one of the only makeup lines that is officially recommended from the Environmental Working Group. What really sets Beauty Counter apart is their unwavering commitment to protecting us, the consumers, from the hidden dangers that lurk in conventional beauty products. Beauty Counter goes above and beyond, rigorously screening every single ingredient that goes into their products, ensuring that they are safe, clean, and free from harmful toxins. They're not just a beauty brand, they're a movement for change, advocating for stronger regulations in the beauty industry. With Beauty Counter, I know that I can trust that the skincare and makeup that I use are not only effective, but also safe for me and my family. They have skincare lines for every skin type, as well as so many other incredible products. I absolutely love their overnight resurfacing peel. It's my favorite way to get anti-aging benefits in a skincare product. The makeup is absolutely amazing. I have tried alternative beauty products in the past and none of them truly performed. But with Beauty Counter, the foundation is so amazing. It makes me feel like my skin can breathe and it looks so dewy and beautiful. You can shop with me at beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. New customers can use the code CLEANFORALL20 for 20% off their first order. Beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. All right, friends, now back to the show. Hi, everybody, and welcome. This is episode number 291 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. I'm Melanie Avalon, and I'm here with Cynthia Thurlow. Hi, Melanie. How are you today, Cynthia? You know, I'm... Definitely having one of those days where there's a lot of really great things that are ongoing, but I feel a little overwhelmed. Well, that definitely makes you relatable to probably a lot of people. So in general, how often are you, like in your life, how often do you oscillate between feeling overwhelmed and feeling not overwhelmed? Probably a daily basis because there's so many things that are at play, you know, being a mom and solo parenting this week and running a business and I've got a dog that's got a digestive issue. And so today is definitely one of those days I'm like, okay, 
we can do it. We can totally do it. So I have to psych myself out. But I would say as an entrepreneur, I think there's almost every day I have a a moment where I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to do all this, but it's going to happen. How about you? Yeah. I was just thinking about how it's interesting how people can be so different with their psychology of how they approach planning out their life or not planning and dealing with that. Because like for me, as long as I really plan everything, I... I feel safe in my in like my ability to do everything, but I was just thinking about how some people, you know, get really overwhelmed at the thought of like planning things out. And so it's just really interesting concept to think about. Like my calendar looks really intense if you look at it, but that's like my safety net, like knowing everything is scheduled and has a place and a time and honoring it. Yeah, I think it's the idiosyncrasies of life. Like when things that are not planned pop up, then you're like, "Okay, how do I roll with it?" I think years of working in an ER and working in like more acutely sick environments. If I was calm, everyone around me could be calm. And so I may not look stressed, but internally I'm like, okay, what do we need to do? Like I usually kind of plan out my days and I'm like, okay, the big hump of the day is here. And once I've done that, then things will be easier. And so I just got over my big hump. (laughs) So everything else today is going to be on the downhill. So it'll be good. Awesome. Yeah. For me, I have to really, really honor all of my daily self-care things and my sleep. And I really have to prioritize that. And it took a while to reframe that as not being selfish because, <laughs> you know, like taking care of yourself. But I do think it's just so important and like the way that you can show up for everybody else in your life. Yeah. And I think a lot of women have to give themselves permission to acknowledge that having boundaries and prioritizing self-care, and that could look different for every person, is really helpful. Like I know for me, there's certain things I have to do in the morning to kind of get my day started that allow me to feel like I'm relaxed and I'm ready and I can give 100% to whatever I'm doing but I don't like, as an example, I'm not someone that likes to wake up late. So if I've set my alarm and I sleep through an alarm, which occasionally happens, I have to kind of reframe my morning because I'm then not, I then don't have the luxury of being able to do the things I need to do normally. But thankfully that doesn't happen very often. It's so funny because I'm obviously the opposite. If I get up early, it throws me all off. (laughs) So everybody's definitely unique. Mm Mm-hmm. So I have two quick, fun announcements for people to share. One, so this episode airs midway through November, and we don't have the exact date yet, but we're hoping, planning to release my Berberine supplement at the very beginning of December. So it might be like two weeks away when this airs. It's been really exciting because Berberine is something I've been taking every day for a long time has really beneficial effects on blood sugar levels, which is why I started taking it while wearing a CGM, NutriSense, by the way. We can put a link in the show notes to a code for them. Actually, I should just say it (laughs) because I know people don't check the show notes. Oh, that's a thing. In the Facebook group the other day, people will still comment and not realize that we have transcripts for this show. So yes, there are transcripts. If you go to the show notes at ifpodcast.com slash episode 291. So the NutriSense CGM code is Nutrisense.io slash ifpodcast. And I think if it's a coupon code, it's ifpodcast for a discount. Meandering way to say, I always have seen beneficial effects on my blood sugar levels from berberine. And it's been exciting because I've been 
researching other topics and it keeps popping up. And I don't know if that's just because I'm like manifesting it or looking for it. I think last week we talked about its role in autophagy. And then I'm prepping to interview Dr. Heather Mode right now. She has a book all about the immune system. She had a section on it. So it can really be a beneficial compound that I think a lot of people might benefit from bringing into their life. And so if you've enjoyed my serapeptase and magnesium, that is coming up next. So to get the information, because we will definitely be doing a launch special, you can get on the email list at avalonx.us slash email list, and you can get text updates if you text avalonx to 877-861-8318. Are you setting up an email list for your supplement line, Cynthia? Yes. And it should be out. Basically, we're told by mid-November. I don't have a date yet, but it'll definitely be out before Thanksgiving. And yes, we do have... We'll put a link in the show notes to the creatine waitlist page, which you'll be made aware of when it goes live and is available for purchase. Awesome. So wow, mid-November. So it might... I mean, when this is airing, it might actually be out or almost out. That's very exciting. Yeah, I'm super excited. I feel like it's been a a long process, but one that I feel really comfortable. I think it's a supplement that will certainly help people enormously. I don't think a lot of people realize what all goes into, well, I don't want to make assumptions, but a lot goes into making these. Like my serapeptase, I first met our partner Scott in April of 2021, and we launched it in like that November. So half a year. So much goes into it, but it's really, really exciting. So good things are coming. The other baby announcement I have is I've been talking a lot about launching an EMF blocking product line. And so I'm still working on the device that you will put on your bed stand to protect yourself from EMF from your phone at night and still letting you charge your phone and keep your phone not in airplane mode because I know it can be important to receive calls and such. So that is coming soon. We're working on it. Actually, the process that we're at right now is like renders of the models and prototypes and things like that. In the meantime, I might actually just go ahead and launch the line just to get it going with something that I use every day. I'm using right now, actually, which are EMF blocking headphones. So basically, oh, I get when I see people using, I mean, not even just like normal headphones, but using AirPods, I just shudder thinking about the effects that might be having on our brain, which I know people think it is woo-woo sometimes, but there's a lot of studies on the effects of EMFs on the calcium channels and and health. And it's even considered a carcinogen by one of the World Health Organizations. So yes, if you want EMF blocking headsets, stay tuned. That's coming. I should probably set up an email list for that as well, but just putting it out there. So That's so exciting. Anything new in your world? Goodness. I think a lot of what's new in my world is navigating business travel and trying to run a business. And so uh, next week, I'm going to be in Chicago. I'm not speaking in Chicago. I'm attending an event. And then we just planned out LA travel. And I picked up another podcast while I'm out there. So I'm I'm trying to figure out how to fit all these things together and to do so gracefully and with incredible gratitude and just savor a very exciting time. So I would say the big things for me right now are just trying to figure out like how to make all these things work and still celebrate holidays and be fully present for my family and be 100% present in my business. And 
you know, the, the challenges of being an entrepreneur, it's wonderful, but you have moments where you're just trying, it's like trying to drink from a, a fire hydrant. There's just so much. It's like, okay, let's just try to focus on like all the wonderful things and processing and all of that. Which actually, I wonder if it'll still be available when this airs. We should plug our How We Grew Summit that both you and I did, which Cynthia and I were both guests in a summit hosted by, well, my good friend, Noel Tarr, also Liz Wolf, and I think three other women. So it's a collection of interviews. It's a lot of interviews with all female entrepreneurs and how they're doing what they're doing. Last night I was listening to Noel had Liz on her podcast and they were just having a conversation and talking a little bit about it. And I was like, man, I need to actually listen to all these interviews. Like, I feel like there's so much to learn from, you know, incredible women that are doing great things with their, you know, their own businesses and such. So we both have links for that. It's both of our websites. So like melanieavalon.com slash how she grew and cynthiatherlow.com slash how she grew is the the link for that if women would like to learn more. Did I ever tell you the connection for me to Liz Wolf? No. I read her book, Eat the Yolks, and reached out to her and said, Where did you get your training? And she responded like the same day. And I told her when we were interviewing, I said, I really credit you with helping the trajectory and the changes that I made in my business. And I'm so grateful to be able to give back because I was, first of all, I was stunned that she responded. And then second of all, reading her book really was instrumental in setting the path in motion for me to kind of dive into the functional space and on a lot of levels, like really changed everything I was doing. So it's a really kind of, I was so happy to participate because she had in some small way contributed to the massive shift I did. So I did not know that. It's funny. I feel like I know her because I talk to Noelle all the time and Noelle's always talking about Liz and you know Liz, but I don't, yeah, I've never actually met her. She's lovely. And I like that she's a little, a little snarky and I, I can be a little snarky. And so I appreciate that when I see that in other women and it's not in a way that's meant to be like hurtful. It's just funny. And you know, you're not hurting anyone. You just speak your mind, which I love. Awesome. So, yep. Listeners can definitely check all of that out. Shall we jump into some questions for today? Absolutely. So to start things off, we have a question from Lindsay. The subject is opening your eating window at different times. And Lindsay says, hey there, I've been soaking up all things IF in the last couple months. And I have to say your podcast is a great resource when it comes to navigating this newly found lifestyle of mine. I'm about a month into a 4-3 protocol and I'm already enjoying the weight loss benefits while learning what works best for my body. Eventually, I'd like to switch to a one meal a day window because mentally and socially, I think it will be easier to stick to long-term. Right now, I notice how lethargic I feel after lunch on my eating days. So a daily dinner time window of about three hours is what I would like to transition to in the future. I'm curious about something though and wonder if either of you have ever experimented with this. If you change your eating window start time from day to day while still keeping the amount of hours you eat consistent, will it dramatically affect the benefits of fasting, both health-wise and weight loss-wise? I work in a small, close-knit office where we have a delicious, healthy lunch prepared for us daily, free of charge. I'm friends with a lot of people at work, so it's nice to eat lunch with them sometimes during the week. It's also nice on my wallet to get a free, healthy meal here and there. Let's say twice a week, I open my eating window from noon to 3 p.m. And the rest of the week, I stick to an evening window of 5 to 8 p.m. 
Will the earlier eating window a couple times a week become a major roadblock in my fasting success? Thank you for passing along all your fasting knowledge and helping others along the way. Well, Lindsay, thank you for the great question. I would say how nice it is that your workplace is offering up a healthy lunch. I think that's probably, you're probably in the minority. If there are lunches provided, they generally tend to not be particularly healthy. So there's a couple things to unpack in this question. First and foremost, I don't know your age, but certainly I do think some degree of variability of fasting windows is something that I I myself am a proponent of. My concern is if you're only eating one meal a day, that you will get into a position where you are going to not be consuming enough protein, which can potentially contribute to many things, but can contribute to you know muscle loss. And so... I think from my perspective, I just want to make sure I fully understand the question. I I do think that when we eat earlier in the day, we tend to be more insulin sensitive. When we're eating in the evening, we can become or potentially become more insulin resistant. We know that we just have better insulin sensitivity earlier in the day. So I think from my perspective, I, I would just be cautious about wanting to do an OMAD situation every single day. If you alternate between two meals versus one, that might be some degree of variability. I see a lot of people doing 30 slash 16s where they'll do 30 hours fasted and then eat and then have a 16-hour period of time in which they're they're not eating. But I would just be certainly careful about just having a very narrow eating window day-to-day, week-to-week, because that could potentially set you up for slowing your metabolism. And, and that's something just to kind of keep in mind. Melanie, how would you address this? Because I know that you you are my unicorn friend and you eat in the evening and go to bed late and that works for you and you're very metabolically healthy. So I think that's that's something to stress. This is where bioindividuality really is very, very important. I think I've mentioned this article a lot before, but I wrote a blog post called Early Versus Late Night Eating, Contradictions, Confusions, and Clarity. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. The link for it is actually melanieavalon.com slash eating timing. With that article I or that blog, I tried really hard to like just objectively non-biased look at all of the literature on eating timing and how it affects things. And one of the most, what would be a good word, like clouding things about it all is that the majority of studies looking at later evening are looking at it in the context of also eating earlier compared to, you know, fasting all day and then eating later, which can potentially see a different effect than if you had been eating even just a little bit earlier in the day. My takeaway when I was (laughs) reading it was if I had to like pick a perfect window, even granted the fact that people are bio-individual, but just like looking at it, it seemed that around like four to seven-ish hormonally seemed to be the best, but that's not a blanket statement and everybody is individual, of course. But speaking to the switching it up, I'm totally down with people switching things up. And the thing that obviously, maybe this isn't obvious, but if you switch it up, then you will naturally have, assuming you maintain this same eating window, you will naturally have some shorter fasts and then some longer fasts as well. As far as the actual fasts, I don't see it as a roadblock. I agree 100% with Cynthia about making sure you're getting enough protein in that window, especially if you're... Well, I know for me, when I'm eating late at night, I'm eating a ton of protein and I, it's easy to do because I just buy it all myself and I have it. If I were to eat out, it's hard for me to get enough protein. I would not be able to 
like eat out. And I know she's talking about eating at work, but I wouldn't be able to do like a restaurant meal in a one meal day situation like every night. I, I just wouldn't be able to get enough protein. And when I do get restaurant meals, I normally get protein as dessert. Have I talked about that on here, Cynthia? I don't think so. So yes. So my my family or whoever I'm, I'm with will usually get a dessert and I'll usually get like a second round of the appetizer. Like if it was like sashimi or carpaccio or, and I, I went to a restaurant actually a few weeks ago and ordered that. And I was like, has anybody ever done that before? And he said, yeah, people do order like quote, they call them like savory desserts. So I felt better. So just a fun fact, you can always order. If you're not eating dessert, you can order another round of salmon. (laughs) But in any case, yes, I would focus on making sure you're getting enough protein. I wouldn't stress about the hours being different. And I'm actually jealous almost of people that can mix it up like that because I think some people can really well. And I think some people struggle a little bit. Like I have tried in the past to like change things up and like eat earlier and it does not go well. Like (laughs) it's just like operation fail. And Jen was the same way as well. We had this in common. We both found that she did a one meal a day evening window earlier than mine, but we both had the experience where if we were to open our window earlier, we could eat, we could feel good. And then come dinner, we would have the exact same signaling and appetite and, you know, just rinse and repeat. So I'm not the type of person that could eat earlier and like be done. I'll be like starving again at night. So yeah. Hi friends. I'm about to tell you how to get 15% off my favorite blue light blocking glasses ever. So I am often asked, what are my favorite quote biohacking products and something I truly honestly cannot imagine my life without are blue light blocking glasses. So in today's modern environment, we are massively overexposed to blue light. It's a stimulating type of light, which can lead to stress, anxiety, headaches, and in particular sleep issues. Blue light actually stops our bodies from producing melatonin, which is our sleep hormone. So our exposure to blue light can completely disrupt our circadian rhythm, make it hard to fall asleep, make it hard to stay asleep, and so much more. Friends, I identify as an insomniac. I would not be able to sleep without my blue light blocking glasses. I also stay up late working and wearing blue light blocking glasses at night has made it so I can do that and still fall asleep. My absolute favorite blue light blocking glasses on the market are Bond Charge, formerly known as Blue Blocks. Bond Charge makes an array of blue light blocking glasses in all different designs so you can truly find something that fits your style and reap all of the benefits of blue light blocking. They have their clear computer glasses. You can wear those during the day, especially if you're looking at screens all day to help with anxiety, headaches, and stress. They have their light sensitivity glasses. Those are tinged with a special yellow color, scientifically proven to boost mood, and they block even more blue light. Those are great for the day or evening. And then they have their blue light blocking glasses for sleep. Those are the ones that I put on at night while working before bed. Oh my goodness, friends. It's something you truly have to experience. You put on these glasses and it's like you just tell your brain, okay, it's time to go to sleep soon. They also have amazing blackout sleep masks. Those block 100% of light with zero eye pressure. I wear this every single night and I don't know how I would sleep without it. And you can get 15% off site-wide. Just go to bondcharge.com and use the coupon code IFPODCAST to save 15%. 
That's B-O-N-C-H-A-R-G-E.com with the coupon code IFPODCAST to save 15%. All right, now back to the show. I think that's the beauty of bioindividuality. It's figuring out what works best for us and leaning into it without apologies. Yes, exactly. Like for me, I just love going to bed on a full stomach. And one of the things I disliked growing up when I would try to be dieting was, you know, that whole don't eat three hours before bed thing. I would try to do that. And that was so miserable. Like I, I so disliked that. One of the things I love best about the fasting situation for me now is that I can just, you know, go to bed really full and happy, which is actually going to relate a little bit to our next question. Shall we go to that one? Absolutely. This is from Tammy. Subject is meat intolerance. Hey ladies, the only thing I enjoy about Monday mornings, LOL. I've always thought that eating meat didn't agree with me. I've never felt wonderful after a meal with meat, but always ate it because I thought we were supposed to. Well, since I started intermittent fasting last March, I've noticed lately that I feel tired, almost lethargic after eating a meal with meat. The other night I baked chicken. I couldn't hold my eyes open and just had to lie down. If I have a meatless meal, I'm perfectly fine. So is this something you've heard of? I have seen people in the Facebook group mention they are tired after eating and even mention they eat just before bed because they are so tired because my body is sending me these signals. Awesome, Tammy. So I have the date of when this question came in. This question's actually like four years old. Um, So that's just to inspire people. If you submitted a question a long time ago, keep listening because we might answer it. Because sometimes I, especially when I'm trying to create variety on the show with a question, sometimes I go way back in the archives. So Tammy, if you're still with us, let us know if you're still with us. I'd actually be, be really curious. So this question, it's interesting. So the times when I would experiment with opening my window early, if I were to do like Tammy said and not have meat, so have like just like fruit or something like that, I would not get tired. But if I were to eat protein and meat during the day, I get super tired. And I don't, well, I I guess I do notice it at night. It's very conducive to my sleep at night because I do get tired and I find it really helps me sleep. And what I think is going on here, well, a few things. So I have like a general answer and then I have a Tammy specific answer. The general answer is that protein requires a lot of energy to digest. So it has the highest thermogenic effect of any food. It's estimated, and this is just an estimation, but around like 30% of the calories from protein might actually be required to actually digest it. So yes, <laughs> that can make people tired. And and this is just my theory. I haven't read this anywhere, but it makes a lot of sense in my head. My theory is that, so like if you're eating, you know, smaller meals throughout the day, you're not getting that big of a shift as much between sympathetic and parasympathetic, basically the two types of the nervous system. So like the energetic fight or flight, norepinephrine, epinephrine hormones, like that state, and then like the parasympathetic. So the rest, the digest, the relaxation. And I think when people are doing fasting, especially if they're doing a long fast and then, you know, this meal, I feel like it makes it much more evident that switch from like, sympathetic to parasympathetic. And I think it probably hits people harder and makes them sleepier. And then on top of that, they're probably eating more because they are eating in a smaller eating window. So that's my theory about what's going on there. Because even for me, like 
before fasting, when I was eating throughout the day, I wouldn't like fall asleep after a meal. I mean, maybe on occasion, but I didn't get that response compared to now. If I were to eat during the day, I would like want to take a nap. My Tammy specific answer is I find it really interesting that meat didn't agree with you that you've never felt good after meat. And I, I wonder what's going on there. So like, is it a specific type of meat? Like, is it a food sensitivity or is it that you don't digest? You know, maybe you need more stomach acid. So maybe taking like a HCL supplement or something like that might help. But the fact that you've always had issues with meat, it doesn't surprise me that you have an even more intense response to it now. And then just one last little piece the concept of like you ate meat because you thought we were supposed to. So, so that's like a loaded thought or statement. And I like to think that I'm diet agnostic. I really do think like when you take a whole foods approach, you probably can make most approaches work if you try really, really hard. So like, I think for most people, like a meatless approach, like a 100% vegan plant-based meatless approach most people I don't think will thrive on that and would need to take concentrated efforts to make sure they're getting enough protein, enough nutrients that they're missing. Whereas you could have even just like adding a little bit of meat, get some of those nutrients and protein that you might be missing. And I'm actually really excited because, and I'm sorry, I'm going on like so many tangents. So I just started reading Megan Rossi's book last night. She calls herself the gut health doctor. So her first book is called Love Your Gut, Supercharge Your Digestive Health and transform your well-being from the inside out. And her new book is called How to Eat More Plants, Transform Your Health with 30 Plant-Based Foods Per Week and Why It's Easier Than You Think. And what I really, I literally just started it, but what I'm really excited about is a large portion of the beginning of it. She is talking about how she's actually not, even though she's like known as like a plant-based figure, that she's not even necessarily advocating a 100% plant-based approach. And she talks about how if you actually look at the studies, it seems that nutritionally for most people, having a little bit of meat is probably a good thing. And she references, I got to look it up, but she said there was like a new study that came out. So researchers from 16 countries looked at thousands of scientific papers and they came up with a quote, planetary health diet that establishes a universally healthy reference diet that takes into account nutritional needs, overall health of humans, and the environment and long-term sustainability. And it is inclusive of animal foods. And the reason I'm bringing that up is there is this idea that people feel like, well, it's funny because some people feel like they should not eat meat. Like that's what they're supposed to do. So I find it really interesting that some people think that and some people think that they should eat meat. I would step outside of the framing of like what you should or shouldn't do or what goes back to bio-individuality, like what everybody should do and instead what should you do and what are your needs? So that was a little bit of an esoteric tangent. But Cynthia, what are your thoughts? The first thing I think about is, you know, if you're tired after a meal, I always think about blood sugar. I don't know if Tammy has checked her blood sugar pre-meal and post-meal to see what it's doing. You know, certainly if she was eating a carbohydrate bolus, that would be much more suggestive of a potential blood sugar dysregulation. But quite honestly, you know, this is where bioindividuality really is important. I don't at all question what she's experiencing is absolutely real. But I think I'd like more information. I'd really like to know what her blood sugar is doing that is precipitating that degree of fatigue. 
and you know, we tend to be more insulin resistant as the day goes on. And and obviously life stage plays a role. I don't know Tammy's age or what life stage she's in. You know, generally in your twenties and thirties, you're much more buoyantly insulin sensitive, largely as a byproduct of, you know, the degree of muscle mass that you maintain at that stage. So there's a lot of things that could be going on, but I, I think the starting point for me would be to get a glucometer or have a CGM so that you can monitor what her blood sugar is doing. So glad you brought that up. And that's something that I need to remember more. I need to get outside of my own experience of it because my experience typically with blood sugar swings when I would have them, would I would tend to get either reactive hypoglycemic or basically presenting as reactive hypoglycemia, but actually not having low blood sugar. And the response to me has always been like an adrenaline boost or epinephrine. So I get like awake from that and I forget that for a lot of people, they get that crash. So the fact that she does not have that experience though, after a meatless meal just makes me think it may be more about the actual protein digestion, but it's hard to know. I would definitely suggest trying some HCL supplements that might help, which is something I do plan to make in the future. In the meantime, I take pure encapsulations. I really like their brand. So we have a question from Trisha. The subject is generic medicine. And Trisha says, good morning. I was listening this morning and I was so happy to hear Cynthia speak about fillers and inconsistency in generic medications. I recently experienced this myself. I take compounded bithyroid. What is bithyroid? Do you know? I'm not familiar with that. I don't know. Bithyroid, I don't know if that means that she gets T4 and T3. Bioidentical thyroid, maybe? I've never heard it described that way. Hmm. And with it, she takes extra T3 from a pharmacy. What's really interesting is that's what I do. I take compounded thyroid with extra T3. She says, this has served me well for some time. I noticed with this last batch, I started having bloat, gas, and terrible stomach pains. The only thing I could trace it back to was the T3. I looked up the ingredients and it has mannitol in it. I have terrible reactions to sugar alcohols. I spoke with my wonderful pharmacist and his ingredient list didn't have mannitol in it. However, he said generic meds are very inconsistent. And so he highly recommended I have the T3 compounded. So I did. And although it is terribly expensive, my symptoms disappeared. Another issue I have is maltodextrin. I can't believe how many generic meds and supplements use that filler. I have even worse reactions to maltodextrin, swelling, gas, heart palpitations, irritability, etc. I check the ingredients on every label now. I take LDN for Hashimoto's and I have to have it compounded in Colorado because they are the only ones who make it in pill form with no fillers. By the way, Trisha, I take LDN as well. We're so similar. I used to think I was crazy, but the body doesn't lie. I have IBSC me too, Trisha. And I'm super sensitive to many things. I recently realized that lactose bothers me as well. I've been IFing for years for help, but I think it also helps my gut question mark. She says, I wanted to ask if you think it's beneficial to have my nutrients tested. I'm not sure what the test is called, but it's a blood test that is comprehensive and can tell you what you are deficient in and what supplements you need. If this is helpful, would you please suggest a company that will follow through with the results? I'm meeting with my doctor to go over my genetic test. So do you think that will be enough? I'm 61, really healthy, except for gut issues that I've suffered with my whole life. I take supplements from Dr. Gundry that seem to help, but would really like to fix this once and for all. Thank you both for all you do to help us. 
Well, Trisha, I'm so grateful that you're putting those pieces together for yourself. And and it's not at all uncommon for there to be tremendous variability in batches of medications, especially generic ones. In fact, now I take all compounded medications, both thyroid, progesterone, and testosterone. And to be completely fair, I, I think it's the first time on my thyroid medication in two years where I'm feeling probably somewhat like I used to feel. So I applaud you that you have a provider and a pharmacist that are open to helping support your needs and certainly sensitive to the fact that you are sensitive to these fillers. In terms of nutrient testing, I really like Genova's Nutri-Avel, but you actually have to go through very likely a functional or integrative medicine healthcare professional to review the testing you can't just order it by yourself. And as far as I know, at this point in time, Genova is not providing testing results to patients directly that you have to go through a provider and the provider would then review the testing with you. But I think that's probably the best one on the market that I've seen. I did that a few years ago. One of my children's also done it. And it was very, very insightful. Awesome. It's so interesting. I'm actually really torn about the compounded situation. I get all of my medicines, all of my meds compounded. I really like the pharmacy that I work with. And like you said, Cynthia, I think it's really important to find a pharmacy that that you can work with, that you trust. The reason I'm torn about it is I've had a lot of conversations with Dr. Alan Christensen, and he makes the case that the, so not generic, but the non-generic, like the official form of everything has much more regulation than obviously a compounded pharmacy where there's it's self-regulating. There's a book about like compounded medication. I don't want to scare people, but there's a book out there about compounded medication, like errors that have happened. So not to be a negative Nancy. And like I said, I get all compounded medication myself, but I, I just think it's really important to, well, two things to take away from this one, like I said, finding a pharmacy you trust. And two, like you were Trisha, being intuitive with yourself and if something seems off, looking more into it. So I really, really applaud you for that. As far as the the test, I was going to be really curious what you said. So that's a that's a good resource to know. Have you heard of one that I've seen pop up in a lot of people that I've interviewed and that Heather Mode, the immunotype book that I'm reading, she listed two tests and one of them is one I keep hearing about. Have you done SpectraCell? No, I have not. Okay. That's one I've heard from multiple people that I've interviewed. So I, again, I haven't done it, but it might be a good resource. It's spectrocell.com. And then the other one she listed, which I hadn't heard of before. So I take it with a grain of salt, but it's called Vibrant America. So I'll put links to both of those and the Genova one in the show notes. I do wish that was something that was more easily accessible for people. Well, I think the problem, like as a provider, I understand as a consumer wanting to have access to that type of testing, but it also sets up, like if there's an abnormality, I mean, the testing company could be held liable. So you have to do it through a practitioner so that the practitioner reviews the results with the patient. And, you know, I I admittedly, it's not a test that I ordered in my clinical practice. It's just one that I have working knowledge of. Genova has really high quality testing modalities. And so that that's the one that I'm most familiarized with. Awesome. I think it was Dr. Anthony Beck that I had on that was also talking about SpectraCell. And maybe, I know it's come up quite a few times. So we'll put links to that in the Genova test. Awesome. I will put out one more resource. It's not a full spectrum micronutrient testing, but 
let's get checked. They do have some specific micronutrients that you can test and we have a code for them. So I can double check it. You can always go to ifpodcast.com slash stuff we like to see a lot of the stuff that we like. And I'm just noticing how I need to update this page. If you go to, hopefully this is still active, trylgc.com slash ifpodcast and the coupon code ifpodcast30 should get you 30% off. Okay. Shall we go on to our next question? Absolutely. This is from Angela. Subject is apple cider vinegar, mid fast drink. Thomas DeLauer. Hello. I was wondering your opinion on drinking apple cider vinegar mid fast. I listened to a YouTube video from Thomas DeLauer and he talks about drinking a drink made up of eight ounces of water, apple cider vinegar, pink Himalayan salt, and cream of tartar mid fast or an hour or two before opening your window. I do the clean fast, strictly water and black coffee, but according to him, this drink helps to retain minerals and helps to get the most out of your fast. I decided to drink this one hour before opening my fast and I noticed it also curbed my appetite and I was able to wait longer to open my window food-wise. What is your opinion on this? I love your podcast and you help me stay motivated. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you for your question, Angela. I had Thomas booked for the show and it fell through and we haven't rescheduled it. So I'm going to email him after this. So my thoughts, I do consider apple cider vinegar. I know a lot of people like Thomas and others advocate it during the fast. I do consider it breaking the fast, especially because it can stimulate digestion. Although it is interesting that it curbed your appetite and people do experience that as well. I would err on the side of having this like right before eating as a way to prepare yourself for food. That said, I'm also for if like, if you're doing it and like, I'm not the fasting police, if you're doing it and you like it and it's working for you, I mean, just do it. Like (laughs) I'm not so intense with people. I think it's less of an issue when it's like this, where it's closer to the end of your fast, like mid fast, I might be a little bit more suspicious, but you know, an hour or so before eating and you're enjoying it. I think it's fine. And even mid fast and you're doing it and you're enjoying it. People, you can do what you want. (laughs) You can do what you want. It's when things are not working that, you know, you might want to reconsider. What are your thoughts? Well, I love Thomas. I've been a guest of his twice on his YouTube channel. And I think the world of him, he's super smart. And generally speaking, he's really well steeped in the research. I can tell you when I wrote the book, apple cider vinegar without the mother, so not the Bragg's variety that has protein in it, but the you know, filtered apple cider vinegar, which I don't know anyone would buy that, but that's a whole separate conversation, will technically not break a fast. However, you know, we're talking about a clean fast, water, apple cider vinegar, from my perspective, pink Himalayan salt is probably fine. I don't know enough about cream of tartar, but I do know, like I do know Thomas well enough to know he's very well researched and super smart. So I think this really begs me to go check this out and learn more about it. You know, he's just, he's so well researched and so smart, as I've said multiple times that, you know, this is a good instance where I would probably go watch the video and then pull up the research and take a look at it. And there might be something that I'm unaware of, but typically apple cider vinegar without the mother is not going to break a clean fast. But we know that people take apple cider vinegar for a variety of reasons. Sometimes people take it pre-digestion to help with digestion. Some people use it to 
you know, blunt blood sugar response and, you know, cravings. And so I'm actually grateful that Angela asked this question because now I'm going to go down a rabbit hole when I'm done with this podcast recording today, because I now I want to go look for this and see what I can learn. Yeah. I looked up cream of, I always called it cream of tartar, but it probably is tartar. And it looks like it's, I mean, obviously very minimal calories, but they are carb calories, whatever it is. I guess the retaining minerals part. I mean, that's the only thing I can think of is there's something special about cream of tartar. I don't know. I, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a good baker, but I'm not like a, I'm not like down with all the chemistry behind baking. Yeah. I will reserve my opinion until I have done more research. All right. So now we have a question from Heather. The subject is IF 12 to 18 hours. And Heather says, hi, I wanted to fast yesterday from 3 p.m. to 11 p.m., 20 hours, but I got hungry last night around 10 p.m. and decided to have a bowl of chicken broth. I had coffee at 9 a.m. this morning. Did I make it so it was not beneficial to me or is that still a beneficial fast? I'm trying to heal leaky gut. I have a hard time going too long on a fast. Can I still benefit from shorter fasts? or fasts that just allow bone broth. Hmm. That was her, not me. What are your thoughts, Cynthia? You know, I think there's a couple things that are going on. If we're talking about a clean fast, obviously bone broth is a protein that technically breaks your fast. However, this is someone, Heather mentions that she is struggling to go towards longer fasts. And when we're thinking about leaky gut and helping to repair a leaky gut, we don't want to overtly stress the body. So my feeling is not to stress about this, we know that there is benefits from doing longer fasts in terms of stem cell activation and overall gut microbiota improvement. But if you're fairly new to fasting and you're feeling like you're struggling to do longer fasts, I would lean into what you're able to do with the understanding that you are, it's like a fasting muscle. You're, you're flexing your muscle, you're, you're developing this fasting muscle so that you can then go on to fasting longer but adding additional stress, like worrying about, you know, what did bone broth do? I mean, some people will actually drink bone broth with longer fasts, A, because they get some electrolytes, but also provide some degree of nourishment and they can sometimes do longer fasts that way. But I wouldn't let that be a deal breaker for you. Like, I, I think we put enough pressure on ourselves in general that I would focus in on, you know, doing a successful fast, focusing on why you're doing it. And then if you're really focusing in on leaky gut, building that fasting muscle so that you can then ultimately go on to fast longer. What do you think, Melanie? I agree 100%. And the only other thing I would add is, and a lot of people are probably aware of this, but people may not be, with the chicken broth or the bone broth, if you're making it yourself versus getting it at the store, if you're getting it at the store, look at the ingredient panel. You'd be so surprised how many of these broths have so much stuff in them that you don't want. So try to find ones that are, you know, organic and very minimal ingredients, especially if it's in this, you know, quote, fasting type situation. And I would definitely, I think this is something where it's really important to have it come from good sourced meats and such. So we love beauty and the broth. Those are shelf stable. They come in packets and you reconstitute it with water and it's organic and really delicious. And we have a coupon code. So if you go to 
melanieavalon.com slash broth that will redirect to their website and the code melanieavalon will actually get you 15% off any order. So that's a great option. Those were game changers for me when I was doing my colonoscopy prep and could only drink broth. Bonafide is another brand that I really like at Whole Foods. It's frozen. So yes, just be careful to look at the ingredient lists. Hi, friends. Now, I know most of you are familiar with the power of protein to help us to recompose our bodies, get fitter and leaner by losing body fat and protecting and gaining muscle or lean body mass. Now, protein supplementation is one of the best ways to do it. It is scientifically validated to help us produce high quality weight loss. Now, when it comes to weight loss, traditionally, a lot of people will do high carb, low calorie diets, and those have been shown to generate upwards of 40% lean body mass loss. Now, protecting your lean body mass and your muscle is crucial when you are wanting to lose some fat because during weight loss, you don't want the weight lost to be coming from your muscle. The more muscle you're able to retain, the more you're retaining metabolically active tissue, which is going to keep your metabolic rate much higher and help you maintain the fat loss after you have achieved it. Now, one of the best ways, as I said, to do this is through using protein shakes. I've been on the lookout for years to find a high quality protein supplement that does not have fillers, dyes, artificial sweeteners, and using cheap protein concentrate, which can cause all kinds of issues like bloating and indigestion. I finally created a protein supplement that meets my standards, and it's something that I personally use every single day, and that is Tone Protein. Tone Protein not only is extremely clean and high quality with only whey protein isolate, no concentrates, no fillers, it is also scientifically formulated to optimize muscle protein synthesis, which is going to help you build lean body mass and muscle in the most efficient way possible. I am so incredibly excited about Tone Protein. Not only is it extremely high quality and optimized to help you recompose your body, it is also absolutely delicious. We've been having so much fun with all the different flavors that we are creating, and I just can't wait for you all to try it. Now, I wanted to create a special launch discount for all of you listeners so that you could check it out, try it out, see how you like it, and test it out for yourself. In order to receive that launch discount, you can head over to toneprotein.com and sign up with your name and email address, and you'll receive an email to double opt in to the list, and you'll be the first to know when Tone Protein is available to order, and you will also receive that exclusive launch discount. It is going to be the biggest discount that we ever offer on Tone Protein, so I really want all of you to be able to receive it. So be sure to go to toneprotein.com, sign up with your name and email, and you'll be double opted in to that list. And I am so excited for you all to try it out. Let me know what you think of it and let it help you to optimize your body recomposition goals, get that fat loss and maintain and protect your lean body mass while doing it. All right. So we have a question from Taylor. The subject is butter. And Taylor says, I've been vegetarian for over 11 years and have been mostly vegan for the last year of that. I'm wondering what you think in regards to butter. 
I have been using Earth Balance Buttery Spread, the organic version, in place of the Kerrygold grass-fed butter I was using previously, but was just reading up on vegetable oils in the obesity code. I generally feel better on a low to no dairy regimen, but I know that I would feel just as good as I do when I am dairy-free if I was using a little butter. Do you think the grass-fed dairy or ghee would be healthier than the, quote, natural flavors and vegetable oils in Earth Balance? And then she lists the ingredients, and it's stuff like natural oil blend with palm fruit, soybean, canola, and olive oil, water, salt, less than 2% of natural flavor, dry from corn, soybeans, soy, less than, I can never say that word, lactic acid, and a natto for color. She says, please let me know your thoughts as I would be happy to switch if real grass-fed butter or ghee is a better health and weight management option. Thanks so much for everything you do. Well, Taylor, that's a great question. I would say, you know, from my perspective that grass-fed butter or ghee is going to be a much healthier option than the earth balance buttery spread, which contains inflammatory seed oils in conjunction with olive oil. You know, from my perspective, you know, the inflammatory seed oils are really adulterated, oftentimes rancid. If you want to dive down a rabbit hole, go Google what constitutes creating canola oil that will cure you of any desire to ever, ever consume that again. So from an inflammatory perspective and an anti-inflammatory perspective, I would absolutely lean into ghee, which is definitely better tolerated for those that are sensitive to dairy. I do find that many of my patients that also have dairy sensitivities do fine with grass-fed butter, but you may want to experiment a bit but I would definitely ditch the earth balance so that you can find a healthier option for you. I'm really happy that there's an increasing awareness and shift away, I think, from you know these products that are just full of so many ingredients that I think can often potentially be inflammatory and like even the natural flavor stuff, I've mentioned this a lot, but interviewing Mark Schatzker for his book, The Dorito Effect and the End of Craving, just really opened my eyes to the potential effects of these compounds on our health and wellness. So I think grass-fed dairy and ghee can have a lot of amazing health benefits and work really well for people. I'm also not the person that says like, eat all the butter to lose weight. Because I think <laughs> I think people take things to the extreme, especially in the keto world. But especially if for Taylor, she wants to just add, you know, like a little bit. I'm not, I'm not saying adding a lot would be a problem. But the point that I'm saying is that I would definitely err on the side of grass-fed dairy and the ghee. And it's nice to hear that, Cynthia, about you know, people's reactions with ghee specifically. Do you have any favorite brands? I would say Kerrygold. And there are a couple French butters that we get in our local Whole Foods. I can't remember the name. I can try to look them up. But those are, they generally tend to be very rich. So you don't need a lot of them. And I always buy salted butter. It does make a big difference. Like I'm kind of a salt aficionado now. <laughs> I'm obsessed with salt. I carry it with me when I travel too, which makes me sound like a nut job. But with that being said, Kerrygold, generally speaking, is going to be high quality. If you lean into some of the European butters, they generally tend to be a higher fat content, so they can be very rich. And so you don't need as much of them. In terms of ghee brands, I really like Fourth and Heart. They have a lot of variations. There's one that actually has Himalayan pink salt in it that we really like. Do they carry that in Whole Foods? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've seen it. 
Very, very cool. Awesome. Well, these have been absolutely wonderful. So definitely keep the questions coming, especially with the holidays coming up. We'll have to have a discussion, Cynthia, about maybe next week we can just have a non-listener Q&A discussion about how to do the holidays with your fasting window. Cause I know that's a big challenge or obstacle that a lot of people perceive. So we can discuss that a little bit next week. So the show notes for today's episode will be at ifpodcast.com slash episode 291. And like I mentioned, those show notes will have a full transcript. So definitely check that out. And you can get all the stuff that we like at ifpodcast.com slash stuff we like. And I definitely need to update that page. And you can submit your own questions by directly emailing questions at ifpodcast.com or you can go to ifpodcast.com and you can submit questions there. And you can follow us on Instagram. We are ifpodcast. I am Melanie Avalon. Cynthia is Cynthia underscore Thurlow underscore. And I think that is all the things. And this is going to date us. And we talked about this already, but are you doing anything this weekend for Halloween? My best friend from college is coming in town. I haven't seen her in four years because of the pandemic. She lives in Atlanta. So we are, she's flying in on Friday, flies out on Sunday. And my teenagers are planning on going to parties this weekend. So so my husband and I, we, we, we've had this complete shift in our personal lives where now our kids' social lives run our weekends one is driving, one is not. But because my youngest goes to a high school that's pretty far from our house, it means his friend group is all over the suburbs. And so we spend a lot of time on Friday and Saturday nights carpooling them everywhere. So they are not doing anything officially until Monday. But I believe there is one Halloween party on Saturday night for my oldest and that's a whole minefield of topics that we've had to have discussions over. For anyone that's a listener that has teenagers or young adults, whew, you think it's hard when they're babies and toddlers. It's a whole nother level of conversations when they are teenagers, especially if they're driving and you know crossing your fingers that the you know 16 years prior to this that we have embedded in them good decision-making properties in their brains, which are not fully developed. So this is a good moment for me to have something I discussed yesterday. I interviewed, do you know AJ Jacobs, Cynthia? I do not. Oh my goodness. Listeners, please listen to this interview when I air it. It is, out of my entire show, the most fun I've ever had on an interview in my entire life. He's a four times New York Times bestseller. He's like... (laughs) He just does random crazy stuff that he gets curious about. So his newest book is called The Puzzler and it's all about puzzles, like all the different types of puzzles. And just, he went and did all this crazy stuff and how they affect our life and like what we can learn from them. And he has a book on where he tried to live biblically for a year, like follow the Bible, like literally, like what it literally says to do. It's so funny. And he has, his most well-known book is called Know-It-All, I think. And he read the entire encyclopedia (laughs) and like, shared what he learned, but he was such a joy. And I was like cracking up laughing and it was a fascinating conversation. I just really thoroughly enjoyed it. The reason I'm talking about this, so sorry, is one of his books is called, it's about gratitude, thanks something, I'll put it in the show notes, where he decided to thank every single person involved in making his daily cup of coffee. So like every person. So like the person who made the beans, the person who made the cup, the person, and he like went and found all of them and told them, thank you. So it's a book about gratitude. And 
one of the things we talked about was the importance of being specific in gratitude. So like when you're thinking about what you're grateful for or telling somebody what you're grateful for, like you can amplify the gratitude potential if you're really specific. So I'm going to take this moment for specificity gratitude to say, I am so thankful to my mom for driving me back and forth to play practices growing up because we lived a little bit far away from the school and we would drive. She would pick me up, take me home. I would do some homework. Then she would take me back to play practice. Wait, then she would leave. Then she would come back and pick me afterwards. Oh my goodness. That is so much driving. Thank you, mom. (laughs) So thanks to all the moms out there. Thanks for driving your sons and daughters. Yes, yes, yes. It's one of those jobs we don't, you know, we don't look for those thank yous, but when we get an acknowledgement, it's just an amazing feeling. Yes. So, well, thank you. So this has been absolutely wonderful and I will talk to you next week. Sounds good. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Please remember, everything we discussed on this show does not constitute medical advice and no patient-doctor relationship is formed. If you enjoyed the show, please consider writing a review on iTunes. We couldn't do this without our amazing team. Administration by Sharon Merriman. Editing by Podcast Doctors. Show notes and artwork by Brianna Joyner. Transcripts by Speech Docs. And original theme composed by Leland Cox and recomposed by Steve Saunders. See you next week.